Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 30 of Genesis chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 22 through 24. And Jehovah God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore Jehovah God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. I'll stop reading there. Now, uh, we, we've we seen uh, up until this point that Adam has been used by God as a type and a figure of the Lord Jesus Christ, he can also um, relate to or represent the body of Christ. And, uh, of course, Adam was a man that did sin. And so Adam can additionally typify the unsaved man, unsaved man that has rebelled against God. And, and here in verse 22 of Genesis 3, it says again, And Jehovah God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. Now, um, when God gave the law, his commandment concerning the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he told Adam and he said that uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat thereof in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. When God told Adam that, Adam had knowledge of evil. He had intellectual understanding of evil. He knew that what is good is to obey God. And Adam actually had experiential knowledge of good because he had been obeying God. He and for a time he did obey God concerning that tree. But he also understood that evil would be disobeying God's word and eating from the tree. That would be evil. But it wasn't until Adam actually did eat from the tree. It wasn't until he did actually disobey God. It wasn't until then that he experienced evil by committing it that he came to know it. And and in the Bible, oftentimes to know means to experience. For instance, when we were looking at the scriptural statement of that day and hour, knoweth no man, we discussed that what God means is of the judgment of God, no man 
had yet experienced it at the time that the Lord Jesus was making that statement. Neither had the angels, because Christ had not yet gone to the cross, and it was at the cross that Satan would be bound and experience the judgment of God. And uh, nor the Son, as it says in Mark 13, verse 32, because Jesus had not yet experienced the wrath of God while bearing no sin. He had already experienced the wrath of God when he was laden with sin from the foundation of the world, and and he suffered and died and paid the penalty that the law demanded for sin at that time, but this was a different matter. He had entered into the world um, to demonstrate, to make manifest those things that he had accomplished at the foundation of the world. And and so now uh, he was suffering in, in beginning in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was in an agony and, and fell down beseeching the Father that the cup might pass from him if it could be the Father's will. And yet, it was not. He had to endure the wrath of God, all the while experiencing God's wrath upon him for a demonstration, which is a completely different thing than Jesus uh, had done from the foundation of the world. That was actual payment for sin. And and so we can see why it says that the son did not know he had not yet experienced because Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. Well, now the statement is made in Genesis 3.22, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil, because Adam has sinned. He has transgressed the boundary of God's law. He has stepped beyond the commandment, and and he is guilty. He now has experienced evil, and, and so too has the Lord Jesus Christ already, already. Again, let's keep in mind, this is information that God is telling us it's a historical record of events that took place in 11,013 BC. That's before Christ and 11,006 years before the birth of Christ in 7 BC that Adam was created. Eve was formed from his rib. And they sin not too long after that. We don't know exactly how long, but they, they rebelled against God and they experienced evil in that year over 11,000 years before the Messiah, Jesus, would enter into the world born of a virgin. And, and so yet already God is saying the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. So one of us, according to God, 
has already experienced the evil, and again has come to know evil in a very intimate, personal, experiential way, and that can only be because before the world began. Before God spoke and created all things, before he made Adam, Jesus was laden with the sins of all the elect. We know the Bible does tell us that that uh, God predestinated from the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, all those that he would save. So their names were known. And the Bible tells us Jesus is a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And and so he took their sins, all the sins that these people would ever commit in, in every way imaginable. And it was a tremendous multitude, a tremendous ugly mass of sin that was laid upon him, according to... Isaiah 53, it says in verse 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Notice Isaiah 53, uh, written about 700 years or so before the birth of Christ. God is using the past tense. That he was stricken, smitten, afflicted, wounded, bruised for our iniquities. All past tense. Because it is already taken place. It already happened. And uh, someone had asked me before, does God make reference to Christ dying from the foundation of the world in these early chapters of Genesis? Well, here is an excellent verse to prove it. Jehovah God said, behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil, because one of us according to God, already knew it. And uh, remember what God said concerning this language, and, and it uh, we, we wonder why God would say one of us, but remember back in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26, when uh, God was, was creating man, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And it's, it's plural pronouns. Let us make man in our image, our likeness. And even the word God is Elohim, which is a plural word for God. And yet the translators did right by translating it in a singular way, because God insists, the Bible insists that the God of the Bible is not three gods, but one God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, 
Hear, O Israel, Jehovah our God is one Jehovah. Just one. There is not two. There is not three or more than that. There is only one Jehovah. Yet in in Genesis 1 and in many places in the Old Testament, he called himself Elohim to instruct the reader to teach us the nature of the person or the the being of God. He is one God, yet reveals himself on the pages of the book of Revelation, the scripture, all the Bible, as one God, yet three persons. He has a triune nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image, in this fullness of the Godhead, and, and, and after our likeness, and so the Godhead, God, Elohim, made man. He made Adam, and, and so when we read again here in Genesis 3.22, Behold, the man is become as one of us uh, to know good and evil. Now, you know, when we speak of the triune nature of God, when we speak of this glorious, mysterious Godhead, when we speak of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the three are one. And, and let's, let's read that scripture as God makes that statement because it is what the Bible says in 1 John 5 verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. When we read these things and 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 when God speaks of them, we have to be very careful. We have to be extremely cautious because of our creature limitations. Uh, you know, we're just finite, tiny little things. We're uh, we're less than insects in comparison to the Almighty, Infinite God of the Bible, who inhabits eternity. God is enormous in his being. He's from everlasting to everlasting. That is his dwelling place. He, he is the great I am, the ever existent one. And he is one. Yes, he's one. And, and so here we tiny little finite creatures Man, and you know, if we were good, tiny little finite creatures, obedient, faithful, um, trustworthy, and, and so forth, then we would still have difficulty in understanding this infinite, awesome, everlasting being called God. But we're not good, and we don't have a trustworthy heart or a faithful heart. Uh, we don't have a mind that's sound naturally. But we've fallen into sin. 
We've been dead in trespasses and sins, spiritually. Our, our physical body has seen corruption, which has tainted our physical mind, so that we can easily, um, miscalculate and, and, and think erroneous things and, and come to wrong conclusions. And so here we are, these little, little fallen creatures with the tiniest of brains and we look at ourselves and we say, well, I'm one person, not three. And, and my brother and my neighbor is also one person, not three. And everyone in all the world, every other person is one person, not two or three or more. And therefore, God is one God and one person. You see, that wasn't hard, was it? It is what people say. They're so taken by uh, their own natural reasoning. Yes, one is one. And and it, it, this one is three makes no sense. It's illogical. It's unreasonable. And remember, God warns, trust not in your own heart and lean not upon your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. And and so we do not lean upon our own understanding, our own reasoning, our own logic, our own working out of the problem to solve it, because we are finite, extremely limited creatures and it is utter foolishness it it's about as foolish as anything can be as anybody could be to look to the limitations of oneself as a creature to look to creature limitations the limitations placed upon you by the creator and to reason from that perspective and say, well, since in my creature limitation I am one person, then God must be one person. And and we apply our own creature limitation to the Creator. We apply the finite bounds placed upon us to the infinite. It is just what you would expect to come out of the mouth and from the mind of a sin-fallen creature. Of course, we're going to reason that way because our reason has been perverted and tainted and ruined, and we cannot trust our own reasoning. We look to God, the Creator, the Infinite, the One who knows Himself, and we allow God to define himself, and he does. He tells us in the Bible, and this he insists upon, I am one God, one Jehovah, one Lord. That is unmistakable. The Bible will not permit anyone who says they're a believer to say there's two gods or three gods or more. There is one God. But the same Bible insists that there is God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Spirit. And, and these three are one. And, and here is where our limitations have to be acknowledged. And as, and a child of God will acknowledge his own limitations, our own feeble ability to reason, to think, to fathom the person, the being of God. And we say, look, I don't trust myself. I don't trust my own thinking. Uh, God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts, his ways than my ways. And therefore, I accept what the Bible says. I don't understand it. It, it, it is mysterious. I don't know how it could possibly be that one God could be three persons, yet it is so. And it is an acknowledgement of submission. It is a humble acknowledgement of our own limitations and our own inability to comprehend and to understand the great God of the Bible. And, and of course, uh, humility is not man's strong suit. Humility uh, does not come naturally to fallen man, but pride does and arrogance does. And thinking he knows better, that comes naturally to the fallen man. And, and that's why we have people who, um, always are trying to understand the Trinity or, or to say there is no Trinity. There's, there's just one God and the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're, they're not three persons. It's just one God or whatever it is they say. They, you know, uh, men come up. They're brilliant in their variations of the truth. That is brilliant in their lies. Their man is uh, extremely clever in a deceptive way. And uh, really, that is true. We're, we're sometimes amazed at how smart men can be in wickedness. They're, they're wise to do evil, and they can think out all kinds of scenarios about w- how this could be so we can understand it. And yet, it, it is not true, right, proper, biblical reasoning. And it is it is just coming out of their own minds. No, no, the the child of God leaves it there. God is simply greater in his person, in his being, than I understand. Just like, and, and here's an example for those who say, well, God must be like us. If we're one person, he's one. Well, okay, uh, right now, you and I, we're born into the world and every and look at your neighbor look at your family look at people all over the earth everyone that you and i know has been born into the world and that means each one of us has had a beginning there's none of us that are eternal not a single human being alive upon the face of the earth has always existed and lived prior to their conception in their mother's womb. We all have a beginning. And, and it's true in the case of God's elect, 
Some of us will live forever, but none of us have lived from eternity past. And so if we were to do the same thing, to apply the same kind of reasoning that people apply with this, well, uh, one person like me, God must be one person. If we were to do the same thing with uh, the fact that, that we all have a beginning, we would say to God, look, God, I have a beginning. My neighbor has a beginning. Everybody in the world has had a beginning. Therefore, you must also have a beginning. And you cannot be eternal. You you cannot be from eternity past, and you cannot be this great I am who has always existed, and there was never a point in time past where you, or, or in the eternity past, you can't use the word time, in eternity past where you did not exist. No, you must have had a beginning like me, like everyone else. And, and you see, again, the problem is applying our limitation to one who is unlimited in power and might. Ephraim did this, God says in the Psalms, they limited the Holy One of Israel. We are not to place limitations upon God. God will tell us if there are any limits, and there are with God. He he will not break his own law. He has placed himself under his law. But but as far as being eternal, oh no, he he is eternal God. He is not like man. He is not like the creature. The creature, us, we have a beginning. We're reading about it in the book of Genesis, the beginning of the race. And each one of us has had a beginning in conception and birth. God is not like that. Just as you are one person, I am one person, but God is three persons. He is not like us. He is above us, greater than us. And it is tremendously more than us in the greatness of his being. Um, it, it is a far greater being than we are. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.